From Welcome Villain Films, the studio that brought you the horror hit Malum, as well as Beaten to Death and Hunter Killer, comes their newest nightmare, Mind, Body, Spirit, now available on digital. Directed by Alex Haynes and Matthew Miranda, and produced by Dan Asma, Mind, Body, Spirit follows Anya, an aspiring yoga influencer, as she embarks on a ritual practice left behind by her estranged grandmother. What starts as a spiritual self-help guide quickly evolves into something much more sinister. As Anya becomes increasingly obsessed with the mysterious power of the practice, she unwittingly unleashes an otherworldly entity that begins to take control of her life and her videos. Now, Anya must race to unlock the truth before her descent into madness threatens to consume her mind, body, and spirit. During its festival tour, which stops at Chattanooga Film Festival and the Unnamed Footage Festival, Mind, Body, Spirit garnered praise from critics who call it a found footage version of Hereditary and a knockout found footage horror movie for the live stream era. Experience the first ever yoga-themed found footage horror film and don't miss the film viewers have called extremely frightening and upsetting. Available now on digital anywhere you rent or buy movies online, including Prime Video and Apple Plus. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Don't touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Dread Podcast Network. Welcome to Development Hell. For every horror movie that hits VOD, countless others end up DOA. Development Hell is the podcast dedicated to unearthing these cursed horror productions. We're going to find out what went wrong and then decide if these titles still stand a shot at the green light. I am your host, Josh Corngut. I am a filmmaker in Toronto, Canada. This podcast is a proud member of the Dread Podcast Network. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Development Hell. Today, we are talking about my favorite, Guillermo del Toro. We've done him in the past. We did The Haunted Mansion. And today, we are covering his unmade Hellboy 3. I'm very excited. I love his first two Hellboy films. And there's a lot to hear about the movie that didn't happen. We have a very special returning guest judge today. I'm bringing back Mary Beth McAndrews. She is the editor-in-chief of Dread Central. Mary Beth, hi, how's it going? Welcome back. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited that you're here. Um, I just said who you are, but can you also now, again, tell us who you are in your own words? Yes. Um, I'm Mary Beth McAndrews, editor-in-chief of Dread Central, and Josh Cornguy's boss. Oh my god. But yeah, that's me. I'm a writer. I write mostly Dread Central now, but I've written a bunch of other stuff, and yeah. That's me. Very excited to be here talking about Hellboy. And you know what? I'm excited to have you here talking about Hellboy as well. But also, twist, we have two guests with us today. You didn't get warned. You're probably <gasps> freaking out. You don't know what to do. Oh it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. It's going to be fine. Okay. Um, Mary Beth, can you do me a favor and tell us who, who's... Who, who's here? We have a newcomer to the horror scene with us today. Oh we God. have my fiance, Steve Arnold. His podcasting debut. Steve's first pod. Wow. Okay, Steve, you have to tell us. You have to break the internet and tell us who you are. I'm Steve. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Steve Arnold, the Mary Best fiance. I am an amateur dork. 
No, 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 no. My... Here, let me do it for you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My amateur dork. He's an expert dork. Very good artist. Okay. Loves Magic the Gathering. He makes horror art. And he um, is a general dorkist. And he loves the movie The Thing. Guys, the internet shattered. shattered. It is. Shattered. It's, it is. Where's it couple? Absolutely, 100%. And honestly, <laughs> I had just been like working 24 hours a day with Mary Beth for like, I don't know how long now. It's impossible to know. But I've just been like, I have to meet the fiance. And so I was like, I know how to do it. He has to be on the podcast. And you know yes. what? I, I succeeded. I've met him. Also, he's like a big fan of the comics, which is why we you needed him here today. Yeah, I'm just going to say that's it and listen. Why, I'm not actually going to say it. That's mostly why he's here. Yes, we are a big Hellboy household. Before we talk about that third unmade Hellboy film, is I'd like to start with the comics because they're not something that I personally know that much about. So I'm really excited, Steve, to pick your brain a little bit about the source material for these movies that I love. I'm not going to say his name. I'm already scared. Can you, what is, what is the writer's name of this, of, of this franchise? Mike Mignola. He's uh, the uh, creator uh-huh. and writer for most of the stuff. Now, do you, do you know much about him other than the fact that he's the writer for Hellboy? Like, could you give me like a logline about this dude? He is mm-hmm. fairly private. Um, cool. He's not like pretty well regarded. Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem like he's a, a problem. <laughs> um, Good. Nice dude. Mostly just makes cool art and keeps to himself. I, I know uh, he also wrote, not related to Hellboy, there is a one book that he then turned into a series of graphic novels, which is like a, a vampire story. I think he also did like an alien one-off graphic novel yeah. as well. So he's a big like cosmic horror, horror guy. Oh, yes. It's been a while since I saw the movies and I was kinda, it was kind of cool to remember how much cosmic horror there is even in the films. Mm-hmm. What I love about the comics, he, the characters he creates, which you see in the movies, like you see Abe Sapien, but mm-hmm. there, he has so many weird villains and people that appear in a couple of the comic books but also have their own spinoffs like Abe has his own spinoff series mm-hmm. so the mm-hmm. Abe series mostly takes place and this is going to be like huge spoilers for Hellboy stuff okay I'll, I'll back all the way up to square one <laughs> yes so the premise of Hellboy at the beginning of time <laughs> um Earth and then he made a bunch of angels basically called watchers to like make sure the place didn't go to shit and the second he's not paying attention the Watchers say, hey, what if we made life, too? And they make life, and it's bad. It goes really bad. It's The, the life they make is this thing called the Augdru Jihad. The Augdru Jihad is like the cosmic horror version of the... Do you know the, the dragon from Revelations? Apocalypse? No, give me the rundown. So in, in Revelations, there's supposed to be this... It's all like weird and symbolic, so nobody knows what the fuck it actually means. In, in Revelations, they mention this dragon that has seven heads and ten horns. So the Agdru Jihad is like a seven-headed dragon. It's like seven different monsters that are also one monster. Okay. And then the second this thing is alive, it starts making smaller monsters, and they're all like horrible cosmic monster, or cosmic horror monsters. So like most of the the really nasty stuff that shows up in Hellboy and the spinoff comics are either Agdru Jihad related or Agdru Hem related or like some kind of offshoot of that stuff. So that happens. God comes back and is like, hey, what the fuck? The, the one angel who kind of started it gets torn to pieces, and the only thing left is his right hand. It will be important later. The right hand sticks around for a long time. I don't, I don't think they ever actually really establish how, but at some point, a demon named Azael steals it. He's not supposed to have it. And he has a kid, a half-human kid with a witch, and he just kind of cuts off his kid's hand and jams the right hand of the Watcher on there, and that is the right hand of Doom. So in the, in the movies... Hellboy has the big stone right hand. Um, spoilers, the baby was Hellboy. So yeah, the, the right hand of Doom is important because the right hand of Doom is the only thing that can let the Young Jihad, which were imprisoned after God came back, out of the, the prison. That's like the only way they can get out legitimately. There are a bunch of other weird little ways that they can kind of like sneak out, but they're all kind of unreliable. So like if Hellboy fulfills his destiny and uses his right hand, it'll let the Young Jihad out of the prison and they'll fuck up Earth. So then, well, that means in, like, the first movie is relatively odd, like, first movie's, first movie's pretty, a pretty good distillation of that stuff. Because, like, okay. the thing I really like about the first movie, so explain why I'm so into this stuff. I actually got into the comics after seeing the first movie with my dad, because we're both pretty big, like, sci-fi, fantasy, horror mm-hmm. nerds. I love it. So we went and saw it in theaters. I was like, okay, this is really cool. I'm going to read the comics. And also it's got hell in the name. So that's cool. <laughs> the one of the, one of the cool things about that first movie is just how it's like a pretty good adaptation of the fairly bonkers um, early Hellboy stuff. And also it, it doesn't do something that the first Hellboy comics does, which it, it introduces Hellboy's dad, Professor Broom. So good. Yes, he's great. John Hurt. Oh. Um, and it has him stick around for a while and actually like have an impact on the story. Because in the original Hellboy... 
Professor Broom dies in like the first two pages. No. Yes. And it's the way he dies is also very different. Um, <gasps> How does he die? <laughs> so the way he dies is so in, in the in the movie, he uh-huh. is assassinated by um Scary Nazi. Yes, scary Nazi with a gas mask. Who, mm. Who's literally just like a robot. But uh, okay, so, yeah, the death. Yes, he he sticks around for a while. He kind of like introduces everything, and you have your audience surrogate of um, FBI man. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't know. Oh, it was weird horror and monsters, and Hitler's just so alive. What's going on? But uh, in the comic, Professor Broom was actually part of a an expedition to the Antarctic where something went wrong, and he came back oh, like, totally insane. Oh, and Hellboy no. is coming to visit. Him. It still like it still plays out the same way it does in the movie where you know Rasputin, who is a part of this lore also because this lore pulls from everything, was supposed to be summoning something to help the Nazis win World War II, and that kind of went sideways. And they don't really know where he went, and then Professor Broom finds Hellboy, who is the thing that was supposed to be summoned, um, and then raises him as a human. And so yeah, but that all that is still kind of in keeping. It's all the same. the The difference here is that. Hellboy goes to visit Professor Broom after he comes back from his expedition in the comics. Mm-hmm. And almost immediately, this horrible frog monster attacks oh. and kills Mr. Broom. And Not then Hellboy fights the frog monster, but it escapes. And so that's like the inciting action for the series is like, where did this frog monster come from? Why did it kill my adopted dad? <laughs> Why is there a frog monster? These are the big questions I think everyone faces eventually. Um so the the first movies I'm seeing here is based on Seed of Destruction, which I, I'm guessing is like the first four or five issues. And is it close to it or does it break free? What am I trying to ask here? Mm. Is it is it hold true to the Seed of Destruction? I think series? it gets the broad stuff. It, like the very specific stuff is not even close. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, they go to like a random mansion in the middle of New England to do most of the story of Cedar Destruction. Like, none of it really happens in, in New York. Um, but Rasputin is there. He's got his posse. Actually, no, I'm sorry. The posse doesn't show up until later. Um, the posse doesn't show up until Rasputin is dead. For Nazi the- posse? Yes, Nazi posse. He's got a Nazi posse. Oh, no. Um, so the Ilsa, who is, I think, the only mm-hmm. one that speaks in this, and then um, Rupert Vaughn. The one, that, her, her, her boyfriend? No, um... Gas mask man. Oh, okay. He's so scary. He's he's a spooky boy. And in the comics, that's actually another thing. That is Carl Carl Rupert Cronin. Thank you. I know there's a something in there. Um, Carl Rupert Cronin. Mm -hmm. I remember that so that I don't lose my nerd cred. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, so he it's on the line. He also and Hopstein and another guy who isn't in the movie um, are all like Rasputin's uh, Nazi posse before he tries to summon Hellboy and it doesn't really go right. In the movie, Rasputin dies when he's trying to summon Hellboy. And then they have to like bring him back in this very cool blood pool scene. In the comics, he he never died at all. Like he, he did the whole like Neat. if you know your your World War One history, you know, the whole Rasputin mm-hmm. getting assassinated like four different ways and none of them mm-hmm. did. And that's that's like the same history for the character is he he supposed to have died and then he comes back and then he's helping the nazis and he lives through that I, wait my question about rasputin irl mm. nazi connection or no was that way before actually no um they probably would have hated each other uh sweet so rasputin, rasputin dies before the nazi party comes into existence because he dies before the end of world war one right um and the nazis were kind of a reaction to Right, he was Anastasia era. Sorry, why I say yes. it like that? He is he Anastasia. 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 He beats it for Anastasia. He he's nice to her, right? Um, or is that think, or is he mean? Historically, I don't think anybody was really that nice to the girls. I, um, they got they didn't die so good. My, another one of my credentials is that I'm an amateur history nerd. Um, he's a big history nerd. So the, the stuff that's interesting about World War One and, and Rasputin is that like he he might have actually been like the nicest, smartest person mm-hmm. in the twist the circle of the Romanovs. Um because everybody else was like weird imperialist assholes. Um We're going down a rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. no, I love can, it. I I'm up to you want. I'll, I'll talk about <laughs> this stuff all fucking This is time. great. This is this is a, this is it. Yeah. But yeah, in, in real life he was like mostly just a drunk guy who liked to fuck and was like T generally just kind of taking the like he he saw an opportunity and he took it and where it was like oh people believe that i'm like a mystic 
and mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. sure. And then got into the, Did they really the preserve his dick somewhere? Or is that... It's on display in a museum somewhere. This is my question. Is that real or is that a lie? Hold on, let me look. I believe it. It might be one of those things where they had it and they don't anymore. Why did they take it? Probably because Rasputin was like notorious for for fucking. Yeah, this is this this makes sense. Yes, um, so I mean he, not really though. <laughs> <laughs> I, people preserve weird shit. There's... That's true. Um. Okay. So the severed. Okay. So yeah. <laughs> When Rasputin was murdered, they cut off, a prince cut off his dick. The severed penis was taken to Paris where it was worshipped and used for occult rituals. Oh, the current owner okay. of the penis bought it for $8,000. It now resides in the Museum of Erotica in St. Petersburg. However, it is probably just a cow penis. <laughs> I love I like that. able to tell the difference. Where's the Hulu series about Rasputin's dick jar? Let's like like oh my god, we have, to, oh. we have to pitch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Sure. Um, so I'm going to ask you a new question in regards to comic books, which is how horror do they go? Do they go more into actual realms of horror than the movies? Oh, they're pretty horror. I think they're definitely way more horror than the second movie. They're like, I think the first movie gets the tone right, but it's more like PG 13 and totally the PG 13. Um, but there's a lot of like there's spooky skeletons and ghosts and zombies and mm-hmm. I mean and so another big spoiler for Hellboy at the end of like the original Hellboy run he fucking dies which and there's a whole series called yeah. Hellboy in Hell where yeah. he is I saw that and I like the, that it's literal yes it's extremely <laughs> literal although uh, another spoiler is there's a uh, so one of the spinoff series is called BPRD which is uh-huh. the, it's the organization that he's part of. It's the Bureau for Paranormal Research and Defense. One the the most recent BPRD arc has been um, it's called The Devil You Know, <laughs> and they dig up a coffin and Hellboy is in it, and he's not supposed to be in there. And also, he's alive, so okay. they they brought him back. Um, so how long was he awake underground for? Because that's my worst nightmare. Yeah, that's a really good question. I don't know. So I I, I will admit I have not read much of The Devil You Know. Um, I'm not up to speed on the W know yet, which is a bummer for me because I really want to. They've been putting it out since 1993 consistently, and I was wondering how much of that you've read. <laughs> so of the OG Hellboy stuff, I have read um, all of the stuff that is in like trade paperbacks. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I've read all of the little like side story things, but I've, I've read <laughs> the majority of it, I think. I got you a Mike Mignola Batman. Was that a Batman Cosmic Horror or was that a Batman Hellboy crossover? Cosmic Horror. So there's, okay. um, they did a series called Gotham by Lamplight, I think. Yes. Gotham by Gaslight? Yes, Gotham by Gaslight. Um, and that, yeah, that is just, uh, like, they, they basically take a bunch of, like, H.P. Lovecraft cosmic horror stuff. And I was just going to ask you, we keep saying cosmic horror, but, like, how much does H.P. Lovecraft play into these storylines? Like, is it full-on homage, or are we oh, that, not, not in that realm exactly? So it definitely starts off, like, so I think Mike Mignola plays in some really interesting areas where he, he has, like, there's definitely cosmic horror very early where it's very, like, unspeakable space monsters, tentacles, mm-hmm. like, occult stuff. But he also brings in a lot of the, like, the, like pulp stuff. There's a lot of, like, Nazi science, so, like, very, like, Nazi zombies and, like, mm-hmm. Nazi robots, and especially early on. Um, but then as as the series progresses, it also gets into some cool like eastern mysticism stuff and um towards the end of like the original hellboy run there is a lot of it gets like really into um i feel like you can kind of trace where mike mignola's interests were at the time because mm-hmm. it goes from like nazis to um uh, like nazis and and cosmic horror and like uh uh eastern mysticism stuff and then it kind of ends around um like arthurian and like celtic lore which is weird. a weird place for it to go um, um army of darkness era so, like, <laughs> uh, so it's 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 not there's it's modern day but there is like there's some stuff from arthurian legend like coming back around um because there's it's you, you actually find out a lot of really weird shit about arthurian legend when you look it up um mm-hmm. like for, for one thing there's like 50 different versions like, you know everyone kind of thinks like oh there's like Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, and it's whatever. No, there's like, sometimes Arthur isn't even like the king in some of these. It's weird. Um, there's like 40 different versions of who Morgan Le Fay was. Like, was she Arthur's sister? Was she his his wife? Like, who the fuck was she? Did they have any kids? Yes, no. Um, but in, in the Hellboy universe, what, what it is revealed is that Hellboy is actually 
um, one of the last remaining descendants of King Arthur. Good lord, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Um, <laughs> there's this whole thing where he ends up having to fight the the now evil Lady of the Lake, Nimue, who's also like the queen of... She's the queen of all witches. Which This is actually also... So is that the, po- tied into the 2019 movie? I was yeah. just going to ask, was that Mila? Yes, this that is Mila. Mila is Nimue. Which oh. I, I, I have not seen that movie, mostly because I am afraid it will be terrible. Yeah. But... Um, I was really confused when they made that the plot line for that movie, because if they are at all uh, going with what happened in the comics, at the end of that movie, Hellboy has to die and go to hell, because that's the last like chunk of the Hellboy comics is him fighting Nimue in this big like this is like the battle to determine the fate of Earth, because um, she wants to kill all the humans and turn everything back into fantasy land. And Hellboy likes humans, so that's not he's not going to let that happen. Like maybe, but, but no. Um, I, Mary Beth, you've seen it, the reboot, right? No. No, interesting. Yeah. Well, we're gonna no, get to it. I avoid. I, I didn't watch it because similar reasons to Steve. Um, I feel so bad because I like David Harbour so much, and yeah, this is not David Harbour's fault. No, you can't blame him. Um, I like Mila too. But there's no replacing Rob I'm sorry. No, no there's and, and 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 worse, there's no replacing Guillermo del Toro. The mm. disrespect yeah. is. Is is Neil Lovecraftian? Neil Jordan, I think, did this one. Okay. Do the new one. That's yeah, I, yeah. We're, we're gonna get to it eventually. Neil but... Marshall, not Neil Jordan. God, Neil. Oh, Jordan. of the Descent. The Descent. Yes. Oh, oh that's an, an interesting choice. Yes. I know that people don't necessarily uh, like hate it completely, but I there. Yeah, it isn't the original too, and that's a problem. No, it's not. Um. Now, if you guys are open to it and feel ready for it, I could give a little bit of history on that first film before we get into our personal feelings about it. Does that sound... Let's fucking do it! Wow, wow, wow. Okay, here we go. So, Hellboy, a 2004 superhero movie written and directed by our friend, our hero, the icon, Guillermo del Toro. He also wrote it from a story from himself and Mr. Peter Briggs, who's going to make a very surprise appearance when we talk about the unmade Hellboy projects. Yeah, very, very nefarious, very interesting. So we brought it up earlier, but the source material here are the Hellboy comics. These are from Dark Horse Comics, and they're written by Mr. Mike, fuck, McNola? No. Mignola. You heard him. Um, And this first film based specifically on Hellboy's Seed of Destruction. So we've got our stars. We've got Ron Perlman as Hellboy. Incredible. you got Selma Blair as Liz. Also pretty good. We have Rupert Evans. And I have to say, I was in love with him when I was 14. And I think I still am. I don't know. He's just so pretty. Am I alone? No, he's a cutie patootie. He's He's got a good jawline, but also he's very, like, timid. And oh, just, is this FBI boy? This is FBI. This okay. is, this is... Yeah, he's, like, feminine, and I like that about him. He's got a good jaw. Yeah, he's a beautiful man. Um, so we like him. John Hurt's there, too. Oh, and... Yeah. forgot but, another person. Who did I forget? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Okay, yeah, yeah. I forgot about Abe, right? You forgot about Abe. Um, yeah, so I forgot about Abe altogether. Very sad. We have two actors here. We have Doug Jones in the physical performance, and we have David Hyde Pierce, I believe, in The Voice. And like, what a marriage, what a marriage of mind and body. I, I, what a fan. Although I kind of wish he was gay. Just, I don't Ooh, know why. Abe? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I don't I know if he has a dick. He could, you can have no dick and well, be gay. Of water. How did, wait, then. Hey, he must. Yeah, wait. Now, now you're being fish person racist. That's true. Oh, yeah. Canceled. The, 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 the league are going to write us a letter. Um, but he had a dick in, in that other Caramel Tour movie, and you didn't see it when it wasn't in use, right? That's true. Yeah, it was like sealed up. <laughs> it was all sealed up. So you got to imagine that, well, you know what? You're right. We don't know. Fish people, we don't know for sure. But I mean, yeah, it's different varieties. Different varieties. And he's an icon. So yeah, that's true. A standout character next to Liz, who I love, but we'll maybe we'll talk about her in a little bit. This movie was released on April second, two thousand and four. Made about a hundred million dollars worldwide. Made for about sixty six million, so it made somewhat of a. It made kind of some money. How do we feel about this first Hellboy movie, Mary Beth? How, where do you land with this first film? I love this movie. 
Yeah. I, I love, so I really, I liked it before I met Steve. Um, Steve has given me a very new appreciation for Hellboy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really lo- enjoyed it when I first saw it. I'm, I'm was like a big creature person and I just loved the monsters. I loved all of the cool, like sidekick characters. And I also loved Hellboy as a character because he was a character that he loves cats. I know. I was thinking about you with all the cats. I was like, yes. this is why she loves this. Um, the transparency. Yes, exactly. Those but, cats, those baby roots, love chili. <laughs> <laughs> the chili looks so good. Um, but I think it just like ticked all these boxes for me, especially in this time period. Like I think League of Extraordinary Gentlemen came out around this time. Yeah. Okay. And which is another, ba- it's another comic book adaptation, but it's like has all these like fantastical situations and monsters. And I, I love monsters. And I was, I went through a big like, vampire werewolf phase and i know this is not vampires and werewolves but this kind of movie was exactly what i was looking for into that sure. so. kind of was a freak of the week vibe and yeah. i was watching and i was like i wish this was a i wish there was 24 episodes of this in 2004 yes, yes. oh my gosh yes but yeah um, i it spends like what 20 minutes chasing one just gross monster around the subway i'm like this could be a full episode and yeah. i would have loved it yeah. yeah, and so, um, and then I've always loved it. Then I met Steve, and Steve here obviously very much loves Hellboy, and so it is a movie that we'll revisit, you know, like once a year, maybe a little bit more often if it's on or like on Netflix or something. Mm. We watch it. It's like a good. It's like one of our background movies, like go-to background movies for sure. I love it. Do you remember the first time you saw it? Uh, no. <laughs> The only thing I remember is why I think I remember why. No, I I lie. I've got like a big memory of like it was one of the movies we rented at like Redbox or Blockbuster when I was in when I was a kid. Okay, it was like family movie night because it was like I was at this point eleven, so I was I was at the point where like I was allowed to watch PG thirteen stuff, and because it was more like fantasy creaturey, um, yeah. it was my parents were more likely to, to to rent it. So I think it was a family movie night movie. I love it. It's perfect for that. Um, Steve, you mentioned earlier that your journey with Hellboy kind of began with this movie. Is that right? Yeah. Um, So I in theaters with my dad in 2004. I think it must have been 2004. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, this was actually, I I love this movie. It's just a ton of fun. Um, It like definitely, I feel like, have you ever run into a thing where like you really like the thing and you don't really know why and then you start to realize you like other things and then you realize, oh, this was just a hint of all the other things that I would come to like. Sounds exactly when I realized I was gay. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. I'm kidding. But yeah, no, I think I do know what you mean. <laughs> this, is my, this is my coming out for <laughs> I love that. That's really beautiful. Yeah, but like, I, it was very much like, oh, I actually like, all the history stuff is really cool. Neat. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, all of the, like, the creepy monster stuff is really cool. Nice. And oh, the cosmic horror is fun. Oh, oh the Ron Perlman is cool. Like, there's a lot of... Well, things that ended up being stuff that made my it's, brain feel good. It's like in Breath of the Wild, how you like open um, up the different chunks of the map of the towers, and you're like, "This is a whole new world." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I also will say that this movie awakened something in me <laughs> in realizing that I kind of like big beefy monster boys. I really, I am like one of those weirdos that like thinks that big cartoonish monster men are attractive. I understand <laughs> it's strange. I can't explain it. I will not. I whatever but this movie i think was one of the first movies i watched that was like Franco when you see big man with <laughs> monster hands he's he's hot as hell he's hot as hell and it's not just because he's visually hot as hell which is you know is up for debate but i'm with you on that one well, but also it. he's it's emotionally hot as hell too ron perlman is not what i would say is conventionally attractive but he's <laughs> got something going Look, on i also find steve buscemi attractive so like you're not alone I I also love, I do love Selma Blair in this, and I'm interested in oh, how you guys feel she lands. I love her in this too, and like I know this from Steve that there isn't a romance in the comics, but as we all know, oh. Hollywood loves a romance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it works here. I got, it's a I huge think, part of it. I, it's a huge part of it. I think it makes it like as much as I am not always a fan of romance. I like this one because I think it it does a good job kind of humanizing him, but not too much. Yeah, it's so cute. Just like it's just a jump ahead a teeny bit. I do like that she is more of a bad, a little bit more of a bad bitch in two. She's yeah. still a little bit more of a whiny wife character, which is annoying, which again we'll talk about. Yeah, yeah, I know. But like, I feel like they try to give her agents a, a decent amount of agency, which was surprising, especially in 2004. You know what I mean? Like, they try. 
it's not great to be honest in terms of agency but she's just but i hear you i i, I do I, hear you i i i think i just like her care i just i think I like she's her cool her. she's just cool she's a cool girl and also Sherman she, is a cool character. she is and yeah. she's really I'm just trying to fucking get better. Leave me the fuck alone. And like, look, mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah, I know. I know. And she's also so hot too. And I kind of knows really? it. And I like that for her. Figuratively. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I a Blair documentary about her having MS. I, I, I feel like we must be getting one. We are. No, we are. It was, I, I didn't see it yet because I, it's really depressing. I think it's on Disney Discovery. Disney Discovery uh, Plus. Okay. But it's about like her journey with multiple sclerosis and it's fun. Yeah. But I, as I was watching the second one today, I was thinking about that talking about her and how it makes me sad. Sorry. Yeah. It's a, but she's like really vocal about it. I feel like she's pretty cool about it, which that's. But she me. is. She's very vocal. It just makes me sad. And like, it, she it's, has so much stuff when we were growing up. Too. I know. She's, yeah. she's a huge, huge icon. She's also my one, one half of my favorite Hollywood best friendship, which is her and Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah. Very funny together on Instagram. I love that they're best friends. They're very good. absolute best friends. I love sense. celebrity, no cute celebrity best friends. You know what? I only like if it's involving Sarah Michelle Gellar. Otherwise, I honestly don't know if I'm interested. Josh is a big Buffy person. Oh, uh, okay. Yes. I, you know, mm-hmm. big blind spot for me. I never really watched Buffy. I should do that. Interesting, because you you you're right in the middle of the best, like the generation that would have watched it, right. but it's too late. I feel like it's one of those that like dates poorly, kind of, and you're, like just the way that it looks. Like you kind of have to get into it at the time. Although you, I feel like kids are watching it, so maybe I'm wrong. Um, also, Joss Whedon. That's that. Yeah, that's, just, that's, so, that yeah, that's the part that would actually be rough for me. Yeah, no, totally. Oh, yeah. It's He's rough. The Joss Whedon stuff is really sad. Um, that's okay because we're talking about Hellboy and you were actually saying that Mike is a cool dude like has yet to get into any trouble so that's yeah, as, unique as, to him as far as I know he's not he has not done anything he, he tends to keep to himself mostly so like, I celebrate that and you know what Guillermo del Toro too thank god oh, praying praying because um, he's truly my fave he's my fave he's my fave babe um, wait so, so okay, hold on where was this in terms of like his <laughs> del Toro's filmography in his terms oeuvre. of because I know, in, especially in terms of stuff that was more like for like wider audiences in the states. Yeah, this was right before Pan's Labyrinth. So this I was believe before it was, Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, I think it was Hellboy, Pan's Labyrinth, Hellboy Two. I think. Oh yeah, okay. Because Pan's Labyrinth was two thousand and six, Hellboy was two thousand four, and the Hellboy Two was two thousand eight. Yeah. Blade Two yeah. was two thousand and two. Okay, so, yeah, yeah. so he did Blade Two. Whoa, okay. he was on a. I was just, I he has been on a fucking. He has. He's been on a roll. There's been nothing. It's been good. God, I'm he's such a baby. Yeah. Vivek is one of his OGs, right? Like that and mm-hmm. around the same. Yeah. Yep. And um, I'm excited to talk a little bit about how he quit or kind of got fired from The Hobbit because that plays into Hell. Oh, Hobbit. that's very um, good because we were talking about that earlier. But yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. This, that really doesn't miss. No, he doesn't. Um, so... Or- Back to if we're just jumping back into Hellboy stuff, would yeah. you mind Mary Beth taking us on a little bit of like a journey about how Hellboy Two sort of came into the world? Yeah, for sure. So okay, so Hellboy Two, um, it is the 2008 sequel to the first film, and it is officially titled Hellboy Two: Colon The Golden Army. It was written and directed by Del Toro again, with a story by him and Mike Mignola. Wow! 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 Um, and of course, Ron Perlman reprises his role as the titular Hellboy, along with Selma Blair as Liz. Doug Jones is Abe Sapien, but David Hyde Pierce has not come back as the <gasps> voice, which is oh very God. weird to me. And I was having trouble with it today. Um, where, where did he go? Uh, I, don't, I don't. Where did David Hyde Pierce go? Uh, and then um, <laughs> Seth MacFarlane is the voice of uh, Johan. No, really? Yes. I didn't. I saw his name for three seconds and I was like, I wonder what he did. Yeah, he's That's the, crazy. The spectral man. But the film grossed over $168 million. Pew, pew, pew. Um, huge against a production budget of 82.5 to and 85 million. For some reason, I always thought this movie did not make its money back. So I'm wrong. Um, no, you're not so wrong. We'll talk about it in a bit. It, it seems like big numbers, but Gamble Del Toro talks about how it, like, it kind of hardly broke even in a way. Yeah, um, this this actually did receive an Oscar nomination for Best Makeup because of fucking course it did. Yeah. Um, and then this this one, okay, so I have some feelings. Steve, Steve has some strong feelings about this one. I have some feelings about this one. Okay. Um, 
I want to get into it. Because Hellboy 2 is not based off of anything from the comics. This is like a wholly kind of original thing that Del Toro. I don't think Mignola wrote it, but it wasn't in the com- it wasn't in the comics. Mm-hmm. And it's much more fantasy and much more as kind of leaning into it's it basically is like I can do um a Lord of the Rings movie concept film. Yeah. With like the elf, because it's like the evil elf prince antagonist with his princess twin sister, and there's a crown. <laughs> And it's very, it's much more fantasy than the original. The original one is much more kind of horror, cosmic horror and this one is much more fantastical elements. Like, they're very different. To me, they feel very, very different. Yeah. So, like, as a Hellboy fan, watching this as something that is completely unique and not from the series, how did it feel? Like, did it do it justice? Or, like, you're saying you're feeling maybe, like, it didn't. This is for either of you. Um. I w- you go first, since you're the one, you... I I feel like if this weren't a Hellboy movie, I would have liked it more. Mm-hmm. I think it was, I think it's, like, fine as just, like, Guillermo del Toro having fun and being like, look, I can do, look at my demo reel for The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings. Oh, um, yeah, so, yeah, okay. There's some cool stuff in there. Like, the, the troll design, market? Are you fucking kidding me? Troll like, market's cool. The yeah. line of the Golden Army is cool. Um, I, you know the elf court stuff is hit or miss but like it's not really hellboy and they're leaning into all the stuff about the first movie that wasn't really hellboy that i didn't really like because there's like it like hellboy in, in the movies is like kind of a dipshit <laughs> they, yeah. they, and, they, and the second one they definitely make him more like sitcom dad yeah very like, gruff and well-meaning but like oh, i just don't i just don't get my wife <laughs> um she's still mad at me Oh, what did I do? I put my toothbrush in her. I turned her toothbrush in the cat food ration man. Just, just because I forgot her anniversary. Um, but in in the comics, Aww. he's like more like a noir detective or like a like a pulp hero. He's not. A, he's pretty smart. Mm-hmm. He's not a genius, but he's like he knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and like all of the romance stuff is like again fine, but I feel like in this movie it is much more i don't know like that 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 kind of like all romance troubles am i right kind of stuff just like feels like it's beneath them both del toro and mignola it, in some it does ways. feel very sitcom for sure and i don't know why i chose yeah. to like look past it but now that we're talking about it out loud it's it is weird that it's like so silly in in a way and then, like, on top of that, you've got fucking Seth MacFarlane voicing somebody, which is, like, like they might have just, like, they might as well have just made, like, a Hellboy episode of fucking Family Guy at that point. It's like mm-hmm. I'd watch that, even though, okay, I said it. Wow, I, take, I can't take it back now. <laughs> so I can't take it back now. Um, I was, so I, I'm not doing so great, so I'm rewatching The Gilmore Girls, and uh, he was just on an episode. It was very jarring. Really? Really? I mean, yeah. that's not surprising, but still very, very know, shocking. <laughs> I didn't know he did, like, Oh uh, no, I, I didn't know that. I thought that was, I, like, it was it really was live action acting. It was it was very strange. I felt like I was I felt like I was falling apart, guys. But I'm okay. <laughs> but I'm okay now. And honestly, I've never been better. So, um, guys, I kind of love the 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 weird creepy antagonist and his creepy and not antagonist sister. But it does feel like it's the A plot, and that Hellboy is kind of the B plot. And does mm-hmm. that make you mad? Yeah, I don't. If you're gonna, it felt like two different movies. Yeah, uh, um, it it definitely felt like two different movies. Like, I do- it does this thing that frustrates me sometimes when you have a movie where like the modern day world meets a high fantasy world, and they the women talk like this, and the Mora, <laughs> and then and then Hellboy's like the fuck and it's guys i understand that perhaps I'm I'm part of the comedy, but it's not my favorite here i guess it just is very yeah. jarring to me with like the high fantasy which is look i like the two of them separately it's just weird the way they collide in this is not they don't meld it together in a way that i think is as satisfying as i have seen done in the I definitely didn't clock that it is just Lord of the Rings until my viewing today. And I was like, right. oh, I'm watching Lord of the Rings. Cool. Like, like, Prince and Princess look just like every elf in Lord of the Rings. Yeah, like, the long well, blonde hair. Like, they look scary. very... scary, though. 
He's a scary elf. <laughs> he's a, um, he is. Uh, um, yeah, like, all like, the armor and stuff is very like like if you go back to the first Lord of the Rings and that like war scene where they're all wearing the like, golden like oh plates, yeah, it's all, it's all like, just that shit. Okay. And also my favorite is at the very beginning when the prince elf is just like fighting by himself in the in the in, subway. In the subway? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why like, not? Look, he's just like us. Yeah, this movie. <laughs> I think subway the to... problem. Yeah. The problem is the Hellboy Association Please. because I think it's an incredible. This is a movie, I think, like, after Pan's Labyrinth shows off that Del Toro isn't, like, a one-trick pony. Like, look, I can do this kind of serious mm-hmm. stuff, but I can, I can also do these really cool other, cre- all these, like, I look at all the creatures I can create, which I think I get and I respect. I just think putting Hellboy in it makes it, a muddies it a little bit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's still fucking cool to look at, though. Mm-hmm. Like, Jesus. Oh, my God. It's yeah. so yeah. gorgeous. What is it, like, the Angel of Death? I, of course, that's yeah. exactly what I was just going to bring up. Who does seem like a B like a B side from Pan's Labyrinth? Yeah, someone someone on Letterbox was like, "This is so much better than what Pan's Labyrinth is." But it's like, I what? think in terms of like makeup and stuff. But mm. I I also feel mm. like Rude. they're such different movies, and I but I also feel like this movie was like, oh yeah, like Del Toro can do some really cool shit. Let's give him some more money to do it, and he was like, hell yeah, and oh. he went for it, and I respect that incredibly. Me too. I mean. I mean, he, he he's he's verse, and I like that about him. <laughs> um, but he's like, I think this is him having the most fun that I've ever seen him have, and that doesn't mean that he's like making the best thing he's ever made. When I was watching it, I was like, my babe is having a blast right now, and I'm so happy for him. See, that's a that's a good way to put it. I was trying to think of how to explain it in my head, and that's the best way to put it. It seems like he's just having a good fucking time making some fantasy shit, and like yeah. a bunch of weird little creatures running around. Oh and my I, god! Like, speaking of the weird little creatures, we have to talk about the <laughs> the tooth fairies. They're oh scary. God, the tooth fairies. Have you seen um, "Don't Be Afraid of the Dark"? I'm so glad that you brought up "Don't Be Afraid of the Dark." Yes. This does this does that so much better. <laughs> yes. So, have you seen the original one? No, but okay. I, I know it exists. I don't know. I had to tell you that, but but no. Um. So we had to watch it for Scarred for Life, one of the podcasts I host. It's the only reason I know this. We recently watched it, and then I was thinking about the because Guillermo del Toro. It's one of his favorite movie or one of his favorites, and then he yep. produced the the like the um what like remake mid two thousands remake yeah with the little fairies and this i feel like is his response to that making even better little fairy creatures i was so excited for don't be afraid of the dark to come out and then it is not great i did not love it but yeah this does it so well (laughs) it's so scary and the line like what does he say he says like um let this remind you why you were scared of the dark oh yes I was like, I am reminded. I am scared of the dark. Well, but again, like these are those are the moments that I feel like shine really well in both, like in, in Hellboy movies. Like you said, like these creature moments where like they're a smaller creature of a bigger story, but they mm-hmm. have their moment to shine. Where like they're devour an entire group of people. Like you, yeah, the and they start with the teeth. Oh, how how so beautiful good. is that? Oh, and they're so creepy and cute. Like, and they're like, so cute. And then like you get to talk to one a little bit later. And you like explain stuff. They're so funny. Yes. Oh, they're so cool. Um, and I feel like the CGI kind of holds up. I guess it's not that it's not terrible. No. I mean, like especially because so much of it is practical, it is still yeah. a little bit jarring. There it is. But you, it's Oops. hard to make a, a swarm of little tooth fairies practical. Like I no, for sure. Um, um, yeah. But yeah, and I I love that it got that Oscar nom. I wonder if this is the beginning of his Oscar journey. No, no, because Pan's Labyrinth was before this. Do you think, did he get nominated? I can only imagine that he probably did get nominated for that, for Pan's Labyrinth. I so. Probably foreign language film or something, right? They it must. Snub them a little bit. God, I don't know how you feel about it, but I love that movie so much. So oh, much. I love Pan's, I I love like Pan's Labyrinth. Um, I've watched it in a long time. Yeah, it's been a while for me too. And I, I love, and I feel like I'm one of the only people in the world, but I love Nightmare Alley so much. Guys. So, okay. So, Guillermo del Toro was nominated for Best Original Screenplay and Best Foreign Language Film. Okay. Uh-huh. It was also nominated for Best Art Direction, Best Cinematography, Best Makeup, and Best Original Score. So, it was a huge. It, it was one of the biggest Oscar movies of the year. Yes. It got a ton of stuff. Okay, sweet. And then he's been very sweet with them ever since. And I'm okay with that because he's my hero. Can I tell you a little? Have you ever seen his exhibit that toured? 
No, I didn't get to see okay. that. So, yeah. So they did this Guillermo del Toro exhibit. I think it was called At Home with Monsters. Yeah. And I went and it really blew my mind. And there's a section where you go and it's called uh, like the Rainstorm Office or something. And it's this like beautiful um, Victorian library slash office. But the windows are installations and it's constantly storming. Oh. And apparently he has one in his house. He has like a storm room where it's like a beautiful library with storm window installations. And he can just go there and write. And I thought like, what? this is my man. Fucking nerd. I love him so much. That's incredible. I, I didn't know I he was, had that. That's so cool. I would marry him. I wouldn't marry him. I would just for that room. Vibes. Immaculate. The room has to be like at the top of a tower or something, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, what a weirdo. Yeah, it's true. G- wouldn't you kill for a thunder room? Come on. I would. I want one. Now I want one. I want one too. We, I guess we could just we put one in our one bedroom apartment. It's fine. Just give me well, a thunder the same room. having our own spooky library and having a lot of money for making cool gothic horror movies. <laughs> I mean, it's going to happen for me one day. I really, I'm really, I'm really going to make that a thing with black magic. Uh, I, I would, I would, uh, I'd kill a virgin to uh, make that happen. Cool. Yeah. Good to know. I don't know if I'd, if I'd bathe in the blood. I don't know if I'd go that far, but um, I'd think about it. Okay. So if you're fine with it, if you're feeling it, if, if, if it's cool, I kind of want to talk about this unmade third film that okay. was Cursed. I never came to be. I more about this because I know that we recently on Dread Central reported about Ron Perlman talking about wanting to come back. Okay. Wow. Wow. Wow, we did. So, so, do you guys feel it? Can I? Feel I, it. I feel it's it. gonna. It's gonna. So you better settle in, because 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 it's a ride. It's a rude. It's a rude ride. It's a rude ride. It's a rude ride. So the plan was always for Guillermo del Toro to make a third film, and it's very it's very very sad and accursed that it didn't happen. And even as of I don't know in the last two months, like Mary Beth was saying, Ron Perlman was talking to Variety magazine and saying that he really thinks. Uh, fans deserve a, a new film and that he would do it. But he said it really cranky. He was like, I'm old. And like, I, do I want to make one? No. Should we? Yes. And that was kind of funny. So that was exactly, what happened? That's almost exactly it. It's, it's, like, I, that's verbatim. That is, ver- that is verbatim what he said. Old isn't the thing, though, because Ron Perlman's always been like kind of cranky. Yeah, exactly. Oh, cran- <laughs> cantankerous. Yeah. Carrie. Yeah. But, but, but also hot. What a hot man. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So, what happened to this third movie? Why didn't it happen? Are you asking? Well, I'm gonna let I you am. know. I am asking. Good. Uh, I have an answer. So, back, 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 back again in the year 2010. That rhymed, but it, it was on purpose. Uh, Guillermo del Toro spoke with Rotten Tomatoes about what was going on, and this is what he had to say. I think we would all like to come back for a third Hellboy, uh, if they can wait for me to get out of Middle Earth, but we don't know. Ron may want to do it sooner, but I certainly know where we're going with the movie on the third one. So what's funny about this is that I guess this was still when he was in development on the Hobbit films, which he uh, very dramatically exited. Um, do you guys remember why? Do you remember if he was fired or if uh, he like left on his own terms? I feel like they kind of booted him, if I recall. I don't remember. I remember that happening I... and it being frustrating mm-hmm. for me because I was like, no, but Hellboy 2 wasn't what I wanted because he wanted to make The Hobbit. And then he's yeah. The Hobbit? Mm-hmm. I feel like he was booted. I feel like there was vig- vision disagreements and oh. stuff. Yes, I think so too. And I also think that like sassy lady Peter Jackson was just like, I want to do it. I mean, that also probably had something to do with it. Do you feel like it? I'm Lord of the Rings now. Yeah, he's like, this is mine. How dare you? It's exactly what I would be like in that situation. <laughs> Like I didn't want to make these, but because you want to make them, you have to leave. I'm going to do it. So, um, so yeah, poor Guillermo del Toro didn't end up making either, and it's kind of in the oeuvre of him because there's no one in the world with more development hell projects than Guillermo del Toro. I should do a miniseries one of these days. Um, so yeah, the same year Guillermo del Toro spoke with Collider, speculating that Hellboy three might actually happen after the next project he was working on, which I think may have been Pacific Rim, but I but don't quote me on that. But he had also mentioned that the script had not been written. So here's where things get sad, strange, and beautiful. In July 14th of 2012, there was this make-a-wish function in which Ron Perlman appeared as Hellboy in makeup for a terminally ill boy who was a fan. And so this was a big moment for everyone. 
and uh, was emotional and I guess kind of triggered the event of Del Toro stating that, yeah, in public, they were going to make a new Hellboy movie. So I think this like strange, not strange, very sad and beautiful Make-A-Wish moment did inspire the announcement for the third film, maybe even a little preemptively. Did you ever hear about that, that Ron Perlman did a Make-A-Wish in full makeup? That's so beautiful. I did hear about that. I didn't know it was linked to them announcing it, but I remember that. Happening. Yeah, weird that, it, weird that it's linked to them announcing it, to be honest. That feels weird, but I don't know. Probably just, he was like, listen, it takes like 10 hours to get into this fucking makeup. Like, if we're going <laughs> to... Yeah, it's it's true. Oh, that makeup must be hell on earth. Excuse yeah. me, my bad. So, yeah, so it was officially announced. Everyone's feeling the fantasy. And then about a year goes by... And um, the creator of the books, oh my God, why can't I do this? Help me one more time. Mike Mignola. Mike Mignola. Mike Mignola. Mike Mignola uh, spoke with Comic Book Resources and actually gave some bad news. He said that Hellboy 3, essentially he just announced that it wasn't going to happen. So this is in 2013. (sighs) So throughout the years following, we're hearing all sorts of things in the media from Perlman and Del Toro about how they're hopeful about making this project and how they really want to make it. And we don't exactly know what's going down until 2014. And there was this now famous Reddit AMA. And so this is going to be painful for everyone at home, but I'm actually going to give a bit of a lengthy quote that Del Toro wrote to the Reddit AMA because it kind of explains everything that went down with Hellboy through. So are you ready? Are you feeling it? Me. Okay, yeah. here we go. Are you wishing me luck too? Because I'm going to do like, it's a performance. Yeah, honestly. No. I have to like find the peaks and valleys, and I, I feel like I can do that. So do here it. we go. You help me do it. So you, I know you can do it. I do, I do. And you know what? And so hopefully this doesn't prove why I teach and I don't do. So here we go. And this is what Del Toro said. Well, you know, we don't have that movie on the horizon, but the idea for it was to have Hellboy finally come to terms with the fact that his destiny, his inevitable destiny is to become the beast of the apocalypse and having him and Liz face that sort of that part of his nature that he has to do it in order to um, ironically vanquish the foe that he has to face in this third film. He has become the beast of the apocalypse to defend humanity, but at the same time, he becomes a much darker being. It's a very interesting ending to the series, but I don't think it's going to happen. We've gone through basically every studio and asked for financing, and they're just not interested. I think that the first movie made its budget back and a bit of a profit, but it was very big on video and DVD. The story repeated itself with the second already, and it made its money back at the box office, a very small margin of profit in the release and theatrical print, but it was very big on DVD and video. Sadly now, from a business point of view, All the studios knows that you don't have the safety net of DVD and video anymore, so they view the project as dangerous. Interesting, right? I can see Hellboy stuff being very big on and like the DVD Blu-ray market and not so much box office. Yeah, and this I'm guessing 2004, like that must have been around or the end of that DVD era boom where they were like selling tons of stuff. That's why we were getting tons and tons of direct-to-video sequels around then, because they would just sell. And then after that market kind of had its butt fall out from beneath it, we stopped getting those movies. Like We stopped getting random sequels to like House on a Haunted Hill and stuff. What am I talking about? It's true. So yeah, kind of sad that like they went everywhere and no one would do it. And But think about it now, though. I feel like we're we're shifting tides again, where like, Physical media and genre is big again, and also streaming is like the future. Yeah. So streaming, cha- streaming changes everything. Um, that was a really beautiful song. That was. Oh, but the journey wasn't over. Okay, this was 2014. Things were right. bad. If this was the hero's journey, he'd be like in the dark night of the soul. What am I talking about? I don't know. In 2015, Del Toro speaks again to the Daily Beast that, in his mind, Legendary Pictures might actually fund Hellboy three if Pacific Rim Uprising does well at the box office. Yeah. And so, yeah, it seems like he had this deal with the studio where, like, if he delivered a big stomp him, punch him blockbuster again with the second Pacific Rim, that they would, you know, fund his passion project, which is Hellboy 3. Um, Unfortunately, and I don't have a reason for this, Del Toro actually didn't end up directing Pacific Rim Uprising. That went to someone else. 
And because of this, this whole deal fell through and they would not end up funding Hellboy 3. So I know it's really, it's like, it's it's tragedy dilemma. And in February 2017, it was official. Del Toro went on Twitter and announced very dramatically, must report 100% Hellboy 3 will not happen. Are you crying? I'm crying. It's so sad. It's like, he deserves everything. He deserves the world. And yet we're not giving it to him. Like, come on. Wake he up. Be in a video game. That's cool. Oh, he, it, well, I mean, but it was supposed to be Silent Hills and even that didn't yeah. happen. So yeah, he had okay, to yeah, settle right. for Death yeah. Stranding. I'm just kidding. I didn't play Death Stranding. Was it amazing? I don't know. I I haven't played it we haven't played it. It looks hard. And that's my, that's my review. Because like the problem is you hear it's like the first, what, 15 or 20 hours, you're literally just like running around delivering mail. What, why, why am I into that? Why do I want to do that? Why do I feel the need to play that? Norman Reedus? <laughs> I mean, it's a vibe. It's a mood. Um, I won't play it. Um, but maybe I will. I would love Silent Hills, though. We did a whole episode on Silent Hills, guys. We did. It's uh, full circle. Okay, you ready for the twist? Are you ready for the unimaginable series of events that have followed? Yes. Twists okay. So even after all this drama, Peter Briggs, the co-writer of the first Hellboy film, was secretly hired by Universal to write a spinoff based on the prince from the second film. It was going to be called Hellboy uh, Silverlance. I think that's his last name. Please correct me if I'm wrong. And it was going to feature Abe as sort of the lead protagonist of of the project. And then, of course, that fell through in favor of the 2019 reboot, which did actually get made. So that's that's the drama. That's the tea that I've spilled. Um, and I was really hoping one of us would have seen the 2019 reboot, but none of us have. That's so funny. Um, I have no regrets. Do you? Hello? Yeah. Oh, you're there. Thank God. I don't know. I just yeah, like, it was know. like, I was so excited for Hellboy 2019. And then I heard so many bad things and I just didn't want my heart broken. So I don't. Me too. <laughs> um, I'm glad. I, I actually think it's, it's, it's funny and sassy that we're just ignoring the reboot on this episode and mm-hmm. we're heading into conclusion territory. I have a question for the two of you. Okay. It's really important. Okay. Do, do you think we're ever going to get another Guillermo del Toro Hellboy project? I bet he will produce, like, they right around, like, between Hellboy and Hellboy 2, there were a bunch of animated films, like, directed video animated films. Mm-hmm. I bet we'll see something, like, that he produces that's, like, an animated thing. Mm-hmm. Because that's also a really good way. I think Ron Perlman did the voice of Hellboy and all of those, too. Mm-hmm. And... I heard those were good, were they? Yeah! I, I, I saw, um, at least one of them. The, uh, what is it? Um... Blood and Thunder or something. Mm. Yeah. It was good. It was fun. Interesting. I would check those out if those are on streaming because I am curious. Um, I, he's, he's, he's tight with Netflix and he makes a bunch, I think he's made a bunch of like YA CGI Netflix series. Mm. And I feel like this could work in a world like that with him. You could do like a, uh, monster of the week. Like Exiles, yes. Fringe, oh, kind of. Oh, that would be fun. That would be dope. I would watch the hell out of that. Yeah. Live action or animated? I guess live action preferred. Either. Either, either one. Either, yeah. It'd be, it would be kind of weird. fun for kids, too. Like, it, wouldn't, it would work if they did it right. Yeah, I think so. Well, that's where we're at. And life's not fair. And in fact, it's quite sad. And we don't have a Guillermo del Toro Hellboy 3. But maybe one day we will. Like, I think it I, could happen. I Why think not? it's going to... Things like that's gonna happen, especially now with like I don't know. At this point, with so many things getting rebooted and getting the sequ- like long-awaited sequels, I wouldn't be surprised if in the next couple of years it happened. Wow, this might be controversial. I would sacrifice a Hellboy three by Guillermo del Toro if we finally get the um, at the Mountains of Madness movie that he's been wanting to make for uh, like decades. Couldn't agree more. I also um, I would I I've been dying to cover that on the show and I definitely will one of these days. Yeah, that would be incredible. Um there's so many there's so many Guillermo del Toro projects that I'd love to see. I know we're finally getting Haunted Mansion, but his Haunted Mansion would have been everything. Oh, I know. I'm so sad that it wasn't his. I will tell you I'm not the number one Crimson Peak fan on this planet though. Neither are we. It's fine. Cool. It's exactly. It's fine. And that's its, and that's what it, that's that's its crime. That's its greatest crime. That it's fine. Did you guys get the vibe that Tom Hiddleston didn't really want to be there? Yes. <laughs> yes, you're so like a huge yes. Yeah. We saw that in theaters together. We, <laughs> we were did, like, this yeah. was not. 
was all right. What we wanted it to be, but it's okay. no, and like what it could have been. I know. Yeah. Kept it's expecting like siblings, though. I I know, and it yet and yet and yet I was and yet and yet no. So that's saying something. That is saying something. That's saying everything. All right. <laughs> so if you if if okay, you wanted to be found on the internet, where could that happen, Mary Beth? Um, okay, so you can find me on Twitter at MB McAndrews. I tweet all my bullshit there. You can also follow the two podcasts I co-host on Twitter. Um, at Scarred Podcast is Scarred for Life, where my co-host and I talk to people in the horror industry about the movies that scared them as kids. And then at Wona Podcast, watched once never again, the podcast mm-hmm. where my co-host and I with co-host Dax and I talk about disturbing cinema. And don't mm-hmm. forget to follow Dread Central. Yeah, do that. And uh, Steve, what about you, if you um, so wish? I can be found on Twitter at Munster, M-U-N-S-T-E-R, zero, the word, not the number. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sometimes post weird art, and sometimes I post weird comments about Elden Ring. So, you know. You heard it. I love it. it We're going to stalk both of you, and um, your lives are now in danger, so that's, that's good. good. Yay! Yay! Thank you so much for listening to Development Hell. If you enjoy this podcast, then please do us a major favor of leaving us five stars and writing a positive review. It really makes all the difference in the world. We'll see you next week with a brand new episode of Development Hell. Thank you for listening to the Dread Podcast Network. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.